Well, it has been an exciting couple weeks here at Grace Church. If you're just jumping in with us right now, uh, we've been in a series called All In, All Out. It's a major new chapter of vision that we're in as a church. And uh, this series, what it's all about, is we said that we want to be united as a church family in going all in in our commitment to Christ so that we can go all out in reaching our community for Him. And last weekend, Pastor Jeff opened up three major projects that are all involved in this next chapter of vision. Let me just kind of recap them for you if you missed that conversation. So he walked us through the first one, which was going to be sports ministry. Uh, you may or may not know here at Grace, we've had a sports ministry for a long time, and it has been very, very effective. And what we found is that we are just out of space. We can't grow anymore, and uh, we want more and more people to come to know Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to build a new building with more space to meet, reach more people for Christ. And so our ultimate goal and dream is that 1,500 people per week would be impacted with the gospel through the sports ministry. And so that is one of the major projects that God is calling us to. And uh, Jeff laid that out for us just last weekend. The second one is going to be 30 and 30. And you may or may not know that our broad vision here at Grace is to launch 30 campuses in 30 years. And those campuses really work as church plants. So right now we have eight and we want to continue to see that grow all the way to 30. And so we know that a huge part of seeing that happen is raising up our own leadership. So we have a program to raise up interns and residents. Those are undergrad students and graduate students, all training to be in full-time ministry and giving their lives that way. So we want to continue to double down on that process and on those people. And uh, that's a huge part of 30 and 30. Another aspect of that 30 and 30 project is doubling down on our resources in Atlanta. Uh, we launched a campus there that's really focused on refugees and immigrants, and that's going phenomenally. We uh, really interact with them almost like a, a mission there, and they continue to need our support as they get off the ground and uh, reach people that very few people are reaching. Sports ministry, 30 and 30. The last project is really addressing the opioid crisis in our area. So we all know people that have been just devastated by this issue in our area. Many of us have as well. And so we have an opportunity really to make a big difference in that area. So we're partnering with Christ Community Chapel and Dan Gregory to build something called Restore. It's going to be a 70-bed residential program where folks can get the treatment they need to get back on their feet and to get out of this horrifying addiction. Right? Sports ministry, 30 and 30, opioid addiction, amazing projects that God's called us to. And uh, you can check out more details about that, of course, through our website or go directly to allinallout.org. You can grab one of these right here, it lays out some more of the details. And uh, of course, check Pastor Jeff's message out from last weekend. Really, you can hear the full story there. And if you missed that, I highly encourage you to do that. This is really a spiritual endeavor that we're in the middle of. That's why we kicked it off with 21 days of prayer, and now we're kind of in the middle of that right now. So if you've been praying with us, continue to do that. If you're just jumping in, uh, you can sign up for alerts to pray for specific things each day, or tune in with us every day at 1230 on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, we want to make sure to continue to pray together. And then if you were here last weekend, uh, you would have heard Pastor Jeff say, hey, we're going to end up talking about money, right? And we have to pay for this thing if we believe that God is calling us to it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a conversation about that next weekend. It's going to be called Commitment Weekend, and it's going to be a unique experience uh, where we as a church body can pledge and commit together and move all in so we can go all out. And a big piece of that is I want to make sure that you leave today with one of these pledge cards. 
and uh, leave, grab one of these, bring it back with you next weekend, and uh, you can fill that out, and uh, we'll be pledging together then. We really believe that God is calling us to this mission and to this vision over the next handful of years. And so one of the things that Pastor Jeff said that was really kind of captured me last weekend was he said uh, the stat of 31 hours. Every 31 hours here at Grace Church, somebody comes to know Jesus. And that's just through the Bath campus, just through one campus. And what we really long to see happen is we want to see that number go down. We just want to see more people come to know Jesus. That's what we've always been about. It's what we're about right now, and it's what we're going to be about into the future. And this is the way that God is calling us to continue to see people come to know Him more and more right here and right now. Welcome to Grace, everybody. It's, uh, it's good to see you guys this weekend. Thanks for being here. Welcome, everybody, uh, watching at live sites and online and at the Montrose Building. Thanks for being here as well. And uh, we are in a series right now called All In, All Out. And in this series, we've been talking about uh, the, the, the future vision of Grace Church, kind of the moves that we would make going forward. And so I want to say, especially to our guests this weekend, if you're here with us, uh, this weekend and next weekend are going to be different than uh, a normal weekend at Grace Church. And after next weekend, we'll kind of get back into our normal rhythms. Um, but in these next couple weekends, we're having kind of a, uh, a family conversation. Imagine kind of gathering around a kitchen table as a family and you're working on something. So we're working on a project and we're gathering around the kitchen table and we're talking about timelines and details and finances and those kind of things. And uh, I want to invite you to pull up a chair to that kitchen table and to hear all that we're doing, but I don't want anything from you. So any anything that would feel like that, I don't want you to feel that pressure at all or feel like you have to be involved with something, but would love to invite you to hear about it and uh, to dream with us and at least hear our, our heart on it. And especially this weekend, as you kind of uh, stick through the whole conversation, hear the heart behind what we're doing and uh, and and uh, see, see how God might stir in you with that whole thing. We've been talking about this future vision, and uh, we took this conversation, I kind of broke it into parts, and it's kind of a, a why, a what, and this week we're going to talk about the how. We said why, why do we look ahead as a church and kind of intentionally move places, and the ultimate answer to that is because of the harvest, and that's a a metaphor that Jesus uses, and we use that language too. The harvest, Jesus says, look into the harvest, it's plentiful. That metaphor of harvest is people who don't yet realize their spiritual condition or the hope and the love and the salvation that Jesus Christ brings for them. And so Jesus says to his church, he calls us the workers, he says, pray that we'll send workers into the harvest Field. And so as a church family, we would look and say, we want other people to have what we have, that we believe that Jesus is God and that he has forgiven our sins and that he's come to give us life and life to the fullest. And we want other people that we know and love to have the same thing because it's been life-changing for us. We want them to enjoy that and have that as well. So the why is the harvest. The what 
are these projects that Pastor Ryan uh, talked about that we looked and said, seems like God is opening these massive doors through sports ministries, 30 and 30, and the opioid crisis. The sports ministries, uh, we, we talked about, there are hundreds and hundreds of people involved with it. There's adults, there's college students, there's teenagers. And then we talked about one segment of that called game day basketball. And that is a small piece of a large ministry. But we kind of use it as an example. Hundreds of kids are involved with that. Uh, they're involved every week. Uh, and God is using that ministry in a great, great way. And we want to expand it. In fact, just this week, in the last seven days, just this week, 17 kids accepted Christ through game day. Just this week, right? Oh, you clap about that. It's phenomenal. So that is, that is like a little sliver of how God is just using that little sliver of sports ministry. And we want to expand that, but need a facility to do it. 30 and 30 is our passion to leave local churches and the fabric of our culture and the training that goes into that. And then the opioid crisis, that's the heroin epidemic. And we want to build a 70-bed residential treatment program in partnership with other churches in our community. And we look and say, we believe that God is opening these doors up in unique ways. That's the what. So why would we do it? Because we want to help people discover what we have been given to receive salvation, to proclaim the gospel. What are we going to do with those three projects? And then this weekend is the how do we do that? We said that those three projects are going to cost a minimum of $6 million. And we need to start there, right? We need to start by getting the finances together to build the buildings and finance these things. How are we going to do that? And we've been talking openly that we're going to have to do that through our generosity financially. That as a church family, we're going to have to come uh, alongside those and get our shoulder under it. We know that the dollar amount is achievable. We believe that the opportunities are doors that God has opened for us. But we also know that to achieve that, all of us are going to have to get our shoulder under those projects at the ability and the way that we're able to do it. And that's the, the how. Now, when we're talking about financial giving and when it comes to giving financially for the cause of the kingdom, what I want to do this weekend is I want to show you the biblical framework to do that. Some of you have maybe never engaged uh, in financial giving for spiritual reasons. And so the reason that we would turn to you and talk about these things is because the Bible would teach it. And so I want to show you, when you think about giving financially, what the biblical rationale for that would be and, and how to think about it, what to do and not to do when it comes to financial giving and what God has to say about it. So let me show you this. If you got your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and this passage is one that's important that God uh, walks us through 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it's page 940, if you want to use Bibles in the chairs. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible or a newer copy of the Bible, just uh, 
use one of those and keep it. Write your name in it and let it be your own. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, page 940, and this is also on the app if you want to use it on the app. Now, let me frame up this conversation for you a little bit, okay? Because its context is important. The guy who wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is a guy that we call the Apostle Paul, and he wrote a bunch of the New Testament on God's behalf, was used by God to write it. And when the Apostle Paul wrote this passage, he was writing to a local church, and he was writing to them as their pastor. So this passage, this teaching, is coming from a person that loves a group of people and is written to a group of people that loves and trusts the person that's writing it. A pastor, uh, the Apostle Paul did not send this out in a fundraising letter to whoever would get it. Uh, he did not put together a marketing campaign on the internet. He did not say this into a television camera talking to a bunch of strangers he'd never met before. He was talking to a group of people that he knew and he loved and that knew him and loved him and trusted him. He was kind of functioning as a local pastor. And this is the context that I want to teach this in. That this weekend I am talking to the Grace Church family. I'm going to talk to you about money and you giving money. And I'm going to look at you and, and, and assume that we love each other and that we trust each other, right? So it's kind of my motives and my heart. I'm like saying, I want to call on the trust that you have for me and the love we have for each other. In this passage, if you don't know me or don't know Grace well and you have not yet developed a trust for Grace Church, I want you to hear what the Bible teaches but I don't want you to, to feel like you need to engage financially. That, that's not what this talk would be. But as a church family, as we talk about this $6 million of need, and when you hear what the Bible teaches, and then hear your pastor talking to you about it, and talking to you about how we would interact with it. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the context, and this is what the Apostle Paul says as he's talking to a group of people that he knows and loves. Verse 6, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and food, uh, bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As Paul is writing this and walking this group of people through this, he, he starts off by setting up kind of a, an overarching uh, promise about how giving works when you give for spiritual reasons to the cause of God. He says this, he goes, I want you to remember, guys, that whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. He's talking about in the, this in the context 
of giving to advance the kingdom of God or to help other people know about the truth of who Jesus is. He's not talking about this in terms of charitable giving. So it, that's important because there's more than one way to give, right? So Heidi and I do this too. There's some money that we invest and we do it specifically to advance the kingdom of God. There's other money that we invest because there's a cause or a person that we want to support and help, okay? So, so when, the, when the kids send in a letter or stop by the house and say, will you, will you buy this discount card so that our band can go to Disney World and play at, at Disney World, the marching band? And Heidi and I will tend to say yes to that. We get, get those requests all the time, and now I'm probably gonna get a thousand more of them, but, but just like you, you would help my kids if, if they asked that, I wanna help your kids, right? So we're gonna be kind, we're gonna be charitable. Uh, when we see a need on television and the, the, the tornadoes go through Alabama and the Red Cross is appealing for money, we're gonna text to give. We're gonna pitch in with that, right? Because if, if tornadoes hit us, I hope that the country would help us too, right? That, those things are all fine and they're all good and they're all proper. There's a difference when it comes to that and giving for spiritual purposes. And the promise that Paul is making here is not that when you're kind, you're going to get a big reward from that. He's saying when you take money, because the whole context is, is, is the giving of money. When you take your money and you give it for the sake of the gospel, when you give it to help people know Jesus, when you do that, there's a, re, there's a reward, there's a return on it. And we'll talk about what that return is in a moment because it's not a financial return. But he's saying, in this context, you can kind of decide what you want to do. If, if you want to give sparingly, you'll, you, you'll reap sparingly. If you want to invest some in the kingdom of God, then your eternal reward will be commiserate with it. If you want to do that generously, you'll reap generously. But it's for eternal purposes, not for selfish purposes, not just being kind. Being kind is a wonderful thing. Don't hear me talk that down, but it's different than what Paul is talking about here. So he kind of sets in this framework and he says, this sowing reaping thing has a context to it. And, and I want you to understand that he is saying to, and I am saying to you, to his local church. And then he goes and he starts to break it down a little bit. And the first principle that he lays in after he lays that out is he says, I want you to understand this about when you give to something that is advancing the kingdom of God, I need you to know that giving is a spiritual act. It's not a financial one. So when you're giving for the sake of advancing the gospel, it's an act of worship. It's a gift to God. It's not just a financial breakdown. Is there a room in the budget for it or not? Paul says it this way. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So Paul, as he's talking to this local church, he says to them, guys, I, I'm, I'm asking you to give, 
But I'm asking you to go to the Lord so the Lord can reveal in your heart how you should give. I'm not asking you just to run the math. I want it to be deeper than that, see. Uh, here at Grace, we would teach this too, that when we give, we, we actually call it the Lord's money. When we give to, to the church, we give to do the work of the church, that money is God's and it's to be used for his purposes. That money does not make anybody rich. That money is not so that I can have a fancy car or fly on a private jet, none of those things. It's to be used to reach people, right, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we are talking to you about these projects and saying, would you guys consider giving to it? We would say, we want you to consider that spiritually. That's why we wouldn't take $6 million and divide it by the thousands of families that are part of Grace Church and say, it's a tax. Now everybody owes us 3,500 bucks. Right? We, we don't do that. That's why we don't sell naming rights. That's why we don't sell bricks or name buildings after people, you know, because we would say, nah, that's not what we're after. That's what, somebody was uh, joking with me last weekend. They said, Jeff, what if, what if somebody just came up and gave you six million bucks and just paid for the whole thing? And I said to them, I said, I would actually turn them down. That's not what this is. It's not just, hey, we got to get some money together and do something. It's deeper than that. We want to love people, serve people, and serve God. And I don't want a sugar daddy to pay for everything. I want the people of God to go to God and have God lay on your heart how to be a part of it. And those of us who can give a lot, I want God to lay a lot on your heart. And those of us who give a lot for us, I want God to lay that on your heart. I actually don't care about the number. I care more about the act of worship. So we would say <clears throat> this week, I sent you home last week with the same thing. We'd say, I want you to pray and let the Lord lead you to how much you want to give. I, I, I want you to remember that giving is worship. By the way, you, you may not even realize this. This is why we still take an offering in our services because it's an act of worship. I know that most of you give online. Now, Heidi and I do the same thing. We give online, right? Sometimes I tease the ushers. They hand me the basket. I'm like, I gave it at the office. Well, I actually did. Right, So we give online. But the reason that we still pass that is we actually want to remind you that, that finances is not a way to finance a not-for-profit organization. It's actually appropriate that that's a, a, a part of a worship process that we would go through. It's God's money that we're surrendering back to him or trusting him with as a part of our worship. So Paul is looking at this church and he's saying, I, I just want to remind you guys of that, that there's a need. We want you to give to it. We're putting it out there, but you decide in your heart to give. Now he takes another step further and he lays out this principle. We're going to decide in our heart to give. And then he would say this to them. He would say, no one should give out of guilt or shame. 
I want you to decide in your heart what God might lead you to give, but never give out of guilt or shame. He says it this way, each of you should decide in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul would look at us and say, I, I, I want you guys to give, but I don't want you to give out of guilt. I don't want you to give out of shame. God loves a cheerful giver. I want you to give out of gratitude. And because God drew you to a vision or a need, but not out of guilt or shame, no one should ever shame you into giving. Look at the car you drive, and that's what you give. Don't ever fall for that. Nobody should ever guilt trip you into giving. You know, if you don't do it, then probably heaven will cease to exist. They'll get foreclosed on. No, don't ever let them give. Don't ever give out of a false promise. If you sow $100, God will give you 1000 in return. The TV junk, that's lies. Paul says, no, no, no. I don't want you to give out of that. Don't give because you think the church or God will be upset with you if you don't give. If I sit this one out, Jeff's gonna look at the records and he's gonna know. No, I'm not. God's gonna, if I said God's gonna get me, I'm gonna, I didn't give and I'm gonna go bald, great. That's not true because look at all the people who apparently don't give. But it's, right, so none of that is accurate. Paul says, there is a reward that you can encounter. You can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy and thieves will not steal. Jesus says that. You can do that. That's the reward. And I want you to allow God to lead you to how you want to be involved. But don't be guilt tripped into it. Don't give out a shame. Don't give out a guilt. Don't give because somebody talked you into it. See, and and that and here at Grace, as your pastor, I, we just don't roll that way. If we're doing something, I'll just look you in the eye and tell you what we're doing. Look you in the eye and tell you what it costs. Look you in the eye and ask if you want to be a part of it. That's it. It's it. That's it. And if God moves in your heart. And these specific areas, I want you to join in. If he doesn't, that's fine, right? Never out of compulsion, ne never out of a false guilt, never out of a reluctancy, but because you want to be a part of it. And Paul goes on then, he says that that's how the reward works and what the outcome then is. When we give from our hearts, because God led us there, and we give to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven, that's the motivation, that's what you reap. That's your reward for it. So he would say, your reward is eternal, and it's God's name that's celebrated. It works differently than if I was given to a university or to a hospital or something like that. Those things are great. I'm not saying don't do that, but it's just different because of who we're giving to and why. So Paul would say, <clears throat> the reward is eternal. He says this way, now he who supplies the seed of the sower, the bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. When I give spiritually and I'm giving to the cause of the gospel, so to say, 
What God rewards me with is righteousness. He gives me an eternal return on my investment. Give you an example of this. You know, years ago when, when we uh, ran a, a vision campaign, one of the first ones we ever led people to was to build the auditorium on Jet Road. And we had about 650 people at the church at the time, and we needed to raise the money to build this facility. And same thing I'm doing now. Looked at the folks, here's the goals, here's what it costs, here's the reason why. And those folks dove in and gave, and they gave sacrificially. There were not many of them, and all of us, it seemed like, had very young families at the time. So people got some more miles out of their car, and, and they skipped that vacation, and they cut the cable, and they for a, let go of like going out to dinner, stuff like that. That's how, the, that's how the money was raised. It's all that there was. And they came up with the money that allowed us to build this this facility, right? Now that was 14 years ago that that conversation started. And they have been rewarded, but not financially. So, so there was no, ah, I gave, I gave $5,000 to that. No, I have $50,000. None of that, right? I, I eked out my Honda and I'm still driving it today, right? It's, it's that kind of a thing. There, there was no financial reward the return, what they reaped was a harvest of righteousness. They invested their money and the return is that that 650 people has turned into 8,000 people. That in those 14 years, two, 3,000 people have accepted Christ. Probably more than that. So the folks who were a part of that would sit here and they wouldn't say, yeah, I, 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 I sowed $1,000, I got 10000 back. They would look and say, I gave sacrificially as much as I was able to give and look at all of the people who have come to Christ because of it. It's a harvest of righteousness. And, and God then, the promise that Paul is making is God looks at it that way too. You, you sowed generously and I blessed the investment of your finances generously in a spiritual nature, not for you personally. That would be sowing selfishly. But you hoped that this money would reach a ton of people. I'm giving you a great harvest of a ton of people. See how that works? And that's the promise. And so the reward, it's not, it's not for me, it's for Christ, but it, I get to be a part of it. And, and it, it becomes a part of my treasure that I lay up in heaven. I get to be in on what God was doing. Paul goes on, he says, that's how that's gonna work. He's gonna enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When people then interact or are exposed to Christ because of what we paid to have happen, the money we invested, the person who gets the praise is not the one who gave the money. The person who gets praised is Christ. Jesus changed my life. 
I'm so grateful that I heard about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the praise. It's never, I am so grateful that Jeff Bogue gave $1,000. It says right here on this brick that he did it. I am so grateful that John Doe gave $2 million. It says right there on the side of the building, John Doe Memorial Auditorium. The one who gets the praise is Christ then. I cried out to God and he found a way to come to me. And if you're involved financially, you might know the backstory and that's kind of fun to be honest with you. But you didn't want the credit in the first place. But you sowed, God created a harvest, you got to be in on it, see? And God did a great, great work through it. But not out of compulsion, guilt, or shame. Because you want to. The Apostle Paul talks to this church about a different church. And he says, listen to their hearts on it. This is just back a chapter, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, verse 1. He uses this church as an example for the church that he's teaching about giving. And he says this. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. There's this other group of people. He's like, when I talk about giving as a cheerful giver, I mean like this, this is what I mean. These guys did it, verse two, in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to give and even beyond their ability. Here it is, ready? This is important entirely on their own. No compulsion, no guilt, no shame. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. Paul says, that, that's what I mean by it. These guys wanted in on the harvest of righteousness. That they saw the opportunity and they were pursuing it. That's how we give. Not because of a false promise, not for selfish reasons. We give because we want in on what God is doing. Okay? Guys, we would look and say that there, there are a million things to give your money to and Half a million of those things are good. The band, the school, those things are good. They're fine. They're great. We would look at you and say, right now in our little slice of time, in our little piece of dirt, when we look at what God is doing, we see these things. And I, I told you, I, I've never seen things like this before. My 25, going on 26 years of pastoring, I've never had an outreach program where people who do not know Christ are putting their names on waiting lists to be a part of the program so we can tell them about Christ. That has never happened to me before. And that's sports ministry. I've never had a community, when we've gone to the community and say, we wanna help, but we're gonna do it in the name of Jesus unapologetically, I've never once ever 
had the government look at us, the church, and say, we'll help you guys. This restore ministry, the Summit, Summit County government gave us 25 acres of land to build a rehab center on that's gonna be Christ-centered. I've never had the government look at us and say, you know what, we'll pitch in with the gospel. I've never had that happen before. It's unique. And I'm looking at you and saying, I, I think God is working. In fact, I, I believe that the reason that he's even opening up these opportunities is because as a church, we have such a faithful history of responding to opportunities God has opened up. So he looks and says, this is what you guys have done. You want me to blow your minds? Here's these things. And they're not the only things in the world. They're just the things that are in front of us right now. They are the means that God has made possible for us to be a part of. And I would look at you and say, do you want in on it? Do you want in on it? It's gonna, the, step one for us and this project is money. Because in this time around it, it's just, it's, we need buildings. We don't usually need them, but we need them right now. Do you want in on it? And Paul and I, as your pastor would say, I want you to be in on it. I'm not gonna talk you into it. I'm not gonna pressure you. We never roll like that. But man, if you wanna, if you wanna make a spiritual investment, I think this is a great one to think about. Because I think God is using it. I think he's gonna use it some more and more. And if, if you were ever thinking about sowing generously, I think there is a, a great spiritual return, see, on this investment. Now, I wanna be abundantly clear with, with all of this. We believe that this is the path that God is leading us in these next three years as a church. I believe that, our elders are in agreement with that, and our leaders have been in agreement with that as a church, and so that's why we're talking to you about it. I am putting out on the table what we're doing and why we're doing it, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. It's $6 million. It's completely doable for us financially but it's gonna take all of us getting our shoulder under it. We're all gonna to have to go to God and say, God, how do you want me to be involved financially? And we're all gonna to have to give according to our means to, to support this. The way that we do this here at Grace is this. We take these big projects and we break them into three-year windows. So I'm gonna ask you, everyone that's listening to me, everybody that's watching at live sites and online, I'm gonna ask you, if Grace Church is your home, I'm gonna ask you if you'd be open to making a three-year commitment that would raise this $6 million. You're gonna receive a pledge card. And by the way, these are also online. And so either here or online through the app, you can go to one of these pledge cards. And we'll hand this out to you. It's super duper simple. This piece of it is just kind of instructions about how to walk through it. This is your actual, your, your, your pledge card. We want you to write down there what your three-year total commitment would be. If you're gonna give $3, $1 per year, you'd write $3 in that box. Give us your contact information. Put it in the envelope. Next weekend, 
We want you to bring these with you. We're going to pass the baskets and collect these in service. We're going to have a very special service next weekend. It's going to be unique, and I think it's going to be very memorable. We're going to collect these, and then we're going to do something neat with our, the three that we're praying for. We're going to make a, an art installation. I think it's going to be a cool service. You're going to hand these in. We're going to add them up. If it reaches $6 million or higher, we're going to press go on these things. If it doesn't, we're not. It's that simple. And it lets us know if we have the ability to move forward on these projects or not. This giving, we're asking that this giving is above and beyond your normal giving. So all the things Grace does every week are going to keep happening. Our missionaries are going to stay on the field and Rahab and Urban Vision and the youth ministries and all that stuff is going to keep going the way that it's going. So if you give to grace, we're asking you to increase your giving. If you don't give to grace, we're asking you to start giving and to start giving in an intentional way. And we'll hand those in and we'll count it and we'll, we'll see where we're at. By the way, I want you to know this. Three years from now, I'm gonna be standing back up here again saying, here's the next three-year project. Will you give to it? So 30 and 30 works that way. 30 years divided by 10, we open a new chapter every three years. And we're going to do that. There's 25 years left of it. 25 years from now, Bogue's out, right? And so, and so we, can, we can figure different things out. I'll be old and not nearly as pleasant to look at. That's not true. But, okay. So this is, this is a, a systematic way that we do these things here at Grace Church. This particular project is a big one and it involves buildings, okay? Uh, most of our projects are, are big, but they don't involve buildings, but this one does, okay? And we're asking you if you would consider being a part of that and asking you to do that in the context of what the Bible says about giving. It's an invitation. There's no guilt, there's no shame, and it's between you and the Lord, Okay? All right, I want to I show you how this works and how God works and, and, and how he stirs among his people to accomplish something in finances that are involved. So I had a friend tell me this story, and I asked her if I could tell you. And, of course, she said yes, so I want to tell it to you. So my friend, um, I had invited her and her husband to come to a coffee with me to talk to them about this vision. And so they came to the coffee and uh, I told them about the, the sports ministry and 30 and 30 and the, the opioid crisis and what we want to do about it. And so um, sh they sat through the coffee and about two weeks later, three weeks later maybe, she, she was talking to me and she said, I have to tell you something. And here's her story, Okay. And I knew some of this, but it's incredible how God tied it together. So my friend has a, a daughter who is trapped in addictions. She's been trapped in addictions since she was a teenager. And over the last decade, she's now a young woman. Uh, addictions and all of the scars and all of the pain that come with it have been kind of a constant part of my friend's life. 
Her daughter, about three or four years ago, hit a period of sobriety. And my friend and her husband and the family's hopes kind of jumped through the roof. In that time of sobriety, her daughter uh, became a mother and gave birth to two children, my friend's grandchildren. And then late last summer, uh, her daughter took a very steep relapse went deep, deep into addiction again, left her children, moved away. And so my friend and her husband got custody of these two toddlers. And so my friend's position in life right now is she has a daughter who is lost in addiction and she's dealing with the pain of that. She would say it's, it's horrific because you, you never know what's on the other end of a phone call. And so she said, you, just, you live in a tension that's indescribable all the time. In addition, you're hurting for your kid. You love your kid. And you're watching their decisions and, and the ramifications affect her. She said, so I have that Pain, and then I have my grandchildren that I'm now parenting. And I'm looking at my grandchildren, and mom's not around, and there's a fatherless void there, and, and here they are, and all the pain, and all of the scars, and all of the frustration that are tied to their parents' decisions and absences, and the, the way that's wounding my grandchildren. So I'm a mother who's in pain. I'm a grandmother who's in pain. And then she said, to be honest with you, Jeff, I, then I look at myself. And here I am, old enough to be a grandmother, and I'm raising toddlers. And she said, I look at my strength and my energy and my place in life, and I think, I don't, I don't even know if I can do this. And in the midst of all that, I asked her and her husband to come have coffee with me. And she said the, the day or so before they came to the meeting, they, they had the meeting on the calendar and knew what I was asking them for. And, and she said, I was just overwhelmed a day or two before this, just buried in all of this. And she said, my, my other daughter knowing that I was overwhelmed, sent me a song. And she said, the song played out my heart and then exposed kind of God's heart to me. I want to read you the words of the song. The song's called Rescue. Here it is, ready? This is written from, from the perspective of somebody calling out to God and God responding to them. God would say in the song, you are not hidden. There's never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not hopeless, though you've been broken and your innocence stolen. I hear your whisper under your breath. I hear your SOS. I will send out an army to find you. In the middle of the darkest night, it's true, I will rescue you. There is no distance that cannot be covered over and over. You're not defenseless. 
I'll be your shelter. I'll be your armor. I hear your whisper under your breath. I hear your SOS. I will send out an army to find you. In the midst of the darkest night, it's true. I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you. In the middle of the hardest fight, it's true. I will rescue you. My friend said, when she came to our meeting and I told her where God was leading our church, she said, I could barely control my emotions. And when I went home and I realized how God was moving my church, I realized that he heard me. That he heard me begging for help. And he moved in his body And my own church was the army that God was sending to rescue me. I'm desperate for my daughter. Everybody's given up on her. But I found out that my church hasn't. I'm desperate for my grandkids. I'm raising toddlers Their dad's not around. And I realize that these coaches and these people are going to love my kids. She said, I even realize that these interns are going to teach my kids, be their life group leaders. She said, I realize that God heard me. And then he, he moved in his people And in our our little slice of history, our little piece of dirt, these were the ways that God wanted to rescue the people in our little part of the planet. That's That's why we give. That's what Paul's talking about. Paul's looking and saying that that's eternal. That's how God moves us. We don't pull things out of thin air. You're searching for the Lord's will. That's what I want you to do. I don't, I don't want you to write a check to appease somebody. I want you to search for the Lord. And suddenly what happens is when something makes sense to you that shouldn't, I don't have kids in sports. I don't even like sports. I don't, I, nobody in my family is affected by heroin. What do I care? Suddenly, when you are suddenly find yourself caring, and suddenly the, the vision makes sense to you, and you, you would say, I, I can, I don't know, I'm just moved to that. I would look and say, right, that, that's a God thing. That's not a sales pitch. And when you sense that, and you sense the Lord moving, and you sense that he's moving through your church, not some strange group of people, your church, you're invited to come in. See? 
It's an invitation. It's not a plea. It's an invitation. You want in on this? Because I'm pretty sure there's a major reward. There's a, there's a big harvest. We're seeing it. You want in on it? And if God moves in your heart, and then collectively in our hearts, I'm confident that this is where God is moving us. Guys, you, you, you have no idea how hard it is for me to get excited about a building. I am not that guy. But I'll lay it on the line for these kids. There's nobody in my family addicted to drugs. Not even in my extended family. But I'll lay it on the line. Because if I was stuck, I hope somebody would come for me. Thirty and thirty, I bleed that. And what God can do through us, it will be the parts of your life that you look back and cherish the most. Right? So I invite you to be a part of it. And the the way we organize it is pledges and commitments and three-year windows. And if God moves in your heart, you pray if God moves in your heart. If he doesn't, that's okay. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. But if he does listen to him, right? And we'll step forward together. Why don't we just start to pray about this even now and start to ask God, what, what, how would you have me to be a part of it? And, and, and ask him to lead you to that point and then we'll make those commitments this coming week, okay? Jesus, would you do that? Would you, would you lead us individually and then we come together collectively? And Lord, we want to just simply represent your heart and mind. That's it. No, no fame or glory to an individual or even to us as a church. It's, it's for you, Christ, and you alone. So God, taking your word and allowing it to, to soak into our hearts, asking you, Holy Spirit, to guide us and move us and then give us a compassion and a courage to step forward. So begin to do that, Jesus, would you? Begin to do that in our hearts even now as we pray.